Love the haiku. Love the sonnet. Love the quatrain and the couplet. Love the words. From East Leeds FM. Good evening and welcome to Love the Words. On tonight's programme, an interview with Sonny Sonny Veratney, the Sheffield poet, from Leeds Litfest. Sonny takes us around Leeds, showing us uh, spots that are important for her. After that, uh, we have the writing squad, young writers reflecting on life for them under lockdown, their experience. And after that, um, a feature about the Otley Online Music Festival. Stay tuned. At 6.30, we have the Irish Music Programme, a new series starting there about the history and the present of Irish music in Leeds and uh, in the diaspora more widely, also back home in Ireland. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. One of the things that came to mind was Nina Simone because she can sing a song like Mississippi Goddam that's so angry and so kind of challenging and making heard something that people don't want to hear. At the same time as she can sing a song like Feeling Good which is a very hopeful, positive, loving of life song and I feel like that that's kind of a bit like what I'm like. I'm not, I do get uh, charged by things and I do want to right wrongs and I've always been really committed to sort of justice and seeking justice. And I also really um, value all the positive things in life, really. And um, I, I like to try and approach what I would call more public poems in a, in a sort of subtle way. I want people to be in the experience and feel it and empathise rather than be on the outside and pointing at them and saying, this is a terrible thing. I want to draw them into the experience so they really feel it. Um, I kind of talk about it like I want to open people's hearts as well as their minds in a way. And I, and I think a lot of... When people see a lot of trauma, um, even like current day, they see stuff happening on the news, they see all the stuff about refugees. It's, uh, there's a tendency for people to like not be able to cope with it and close down. And I think poetry can play a really important part in providing a safe space for people to open up inside because it's contained. They can sort of step in and allow themselves to feel it and also not overwhelm them in a way. So that's one of my missions in a way. So welcome to this fourth 
podcast in our series of writer profiles for Leeds Litfest. And we're standing, well, I'm not going to tell you where we're standing. I'm going to uh, ask our writer to tell us where we're standing and where this place is, what it means to her. So it's lovely to have Sunny Sunny Varatney with us. Hello, Sunny. Hi. Hi there. Yes, we're standing on the edge of the canal, um, looking across the canal at two out of three very interesting towers that I once wrote a poem about uh, some years ago now. Um, As far as I know, they're listed buildings and uh, they were built by the owner of one of the factories here that made things for the flax industry, um, for the linen industry. And what's amazing about them is that they're like Italianette towers. And so the one that's the most stunning, really, is the one that is... I've checked this out. It is like a replica of Giotto's tower in Florence. And um, it's even got gilded tiles on it as well, um, high up. They're, They're actually properly gilded tiles. And it was the ventilation shaft for the factory. So I've been seeing these, obviously, all my life, having been born in Leeds. Um, as you come into the station, you, you, there they are, um, these three towers on, on your right-hand side if you're coming from the south. And um, I've been looking at them and not really realising what they were. And then when I was uh, working on a commission for Leeds Architecture uh, Week, I started to do some research on them and discovered that they were connected to that industry that was happening in the 1800s. And then I also discovered that one of my ancestors, my great-great-grandfather on my mother's side, the Yorkshire side, um, would have probably walked past them on his way home from work. That's what I imagined. And so I decided to imagine what it might have been like for him at that, at that time, which is where my poem A Wider View comes from. A Wider View. In the backyard of his back-to-back, my great-great-grandad searched for spaces in the smog-filled sky to stack his dreams, high enough above the cholera to keep them and his newborn safe from harm. In 1849, eyes dry with dust from 12 hours combing flax beneath the conicals of light in Marshall's temple mill, he took the long way home because he craved the comfort of a wider view. As he passed the panelled gates of tower works, the tall octagonal crown of Hardin's chimney drew his sights beyond the limits of his working life, drowned the din of engines, looms and shuttles with imagined peals of ringing bells. Today, my footsteps echo in the sodium gloom of Neville Street's dark arches, and the red brick vaults begin to moan as time, collapsing in the river air, sweeps me out to meet him on the wharf. We stand now, timeless in the flux of time, anchored only by the axis of our gaze, a ventilation shaft with gilded tiles and Giotto's geometric lines, 
while the curve of past and future generations arcs between us. It's changing quite a lot, isn't it? It is, it is, yeah, yeah. uh, I don't know what this is in front of us. I know when I was doing the research, it looked like it was going to be possibly apartments and office buildings. And I remember I walked around and it was... And, and it was all gated up. There was nothing happening there. It was all, um, it was impossible to get in, in fact, at that time. But I think, by the look of it, it might be possible to get in there now and see what's happening. And I've got my eye on sort of finding a space where I could try and get that poem, you know, up on the wall or something. I think it might be quite nice. <laughs> Maybe we should go and have a look at, for a space now. Yeah, we'll just, yeah. <laughs> So we're just, yeah, just walking into Tower Works. Let's keep going. What do you reckon? Wow, this is amazing. I tried so hard to get in here when uh, I was writing that poem and uh, it was all locked and barred and nothing was happening in here and it's like it wasn't even a building site. And to just come in and see those beautiful towers there, all three of them, um, it's wonderful, actually. Yeah, it's really, really good feeling. Straight ahead is a kind of, uh, quite a simple looking uh, tower, um, compared to the other two at least, but still, you know, beautifully preserved in a way. It's, an, it's amazing. And, uh, and then to the left of it, the octagonal tower that I refer to in the poem, which is like... Yeah, you just wouldn't expect to see it in Leeds city centre in a way. You'd expect to be somewhere in in Italy to be seeing that. And then to the left of that, the even more stunning uh, one that's just like Giotto's Tower in Florence, like a replica of it with all its um, gold-leafed tiles. And um, it's amazing to think that somebody actually took the time to have that built as a ventilation shaft for a, a factory. It's incredible. So, Sonny, you come from Leeds originally. Yeah, yeah, so when, when, you, when you come back here, do you... How do you feel? Um, it's full of lots of memories. I don't... Neither of my parents are alive anymore and they lived in Leeds just about until they died. And um, I used to come quite often to visit them. And now the main reason I have for coming is because of People Tree Press. So I'm really pleased that I've got People Tree as my publishers because it keeps me connected to Leeds in a way. I've, I have very um, good memories, really. Uh, I think my childhood in the 50s, growing up in Leeds, um, you know, people assume that growing up in a mixed-race family in the 50s might have been quite a difficult thing, but actually what I remember about it was how nurturing it was within the family that... Um, I never felt unloved at all, so it sort of served me well for things that I might have to face when I was outside of the home, which I feel like we were given a lot of resources to not be too damaged by any of the racism that I've subsequently faced in my life. And, you know, compared to a lot of people, I think I haven't faced the rough end of it like a lot of people have so um but even so things that have happened I I don't feel like it's ever damaged my sense of self really which I think it does to some people 
um, I always felt like I was all right in the world and um, that's a credit to them and it's also something that I probably never uh, acknowledged to them when they were alive because you don't really to your parents my father died when he was quite young he was only 70 so there are a lot of things that I've not said to him um, which is why it's been important to do this latest book about him um, and so yeah Leeds is for me is all of that really and you know growing up going to school here um, the city centre is really about staying out late at night and pretending I was staying with a friend so that because they were very protective of us understandably now I realise but so we had to be in at a certain time so we used to uh, I used to pretend that I was staying with a friend whose mother was a little bit more lenient I can remember walking through Quarry Hill Flats late at night with absolutely no kind of sense of danger or, you know, um, on the way back to this friend's uh, house, which was in some flats near there. So um, it's all of that. Leeds Reference Library, revising for my A-levels. And I used to volunteer with another friend in St George's Crypt. Um, we, we used to volunteer there for a while just before I went away to university and um, that's a really vivid memory for me on the back of the town hall so yeah it's good I, I love coming back here and um, feeling the all of that really yeah summertime and the My mum was a really good singer, I mean, just for herself, really. And that's where I got my singing voice from. And um, she used to like singing along to Ella Fitzgerald when she was on the radio and stuff, and it was kind of of that era. latest book and it's called Unknown Soldier and it's um, it's really a lot about my my dad who um, who came to Leeds from what was then Salon and um, ended up staying here because uh, he met my mother and he sort of studied here and you know went to college after school and he it's a very it's a long and would probably take too much time to tell the the kind of story about how he came to be here and about my grandfather and all of that. But um, my grandfather came here in the 1920s. His wife, my grandmother, had died uh, quite young. My dad would have been about six when she died. And he came here ostensibly to deliver something for somebody. And so he came up to Leeds and he went to meet the family and um, they gave the parcel and they said oh, you ought to meet such and such a, a guy, Mr Oldroyd. So um, my grandfather went to meet the Oldroyds and they had an 18-year-old daughter and my grandfather ended up 
wooing her and marrying her and taking her back to Salon with him. And uh, she stayed there even after he died, and he died in his 50s, and uh, she'd had two more children then. And it was this crossover. My dad, because they came back with all the, his children from his first marriage and spent a couple of years in Leeds, and my dad went to school, was sent to school here. And so when, then when they went back to Salon... My dad stayed with this young woman's parents, so his sort of step-grandparents, the Oldroids. So I've got these amazing photos of my dad in the 1920s standing outside, a 14-year-old outside this terraced house in Leeds with this old white couple um, looking totally relaxed and, you know... uh, and he stayed here, and um, it was like they swapped places somehow, which is, that's an interesting thing about a place, isn't it? It's like, no, he just wanted to be here. And then during the war, he signed up with the British Army as a signal man, and um, he was in North Africa for a while, and then his father got him a transfer to Ceylon, the Defence Force in Ceylon, because his plan was to get him back there, get him to marry a Salonese young woman, and stay there. And... My dad had already met my mother by then, so after the war, he came back. So, yeah, he went to war, and he was a signal man, and I've got all these photographs in an album of him, and I became curious about who'd taken the photographs because there's a lot of really beautiful shots of my dad, where he's obviously the main focus in the picture. So I created a character whose nickname is Shorty, um, and I was just curious about all of those things, so I've, I've imagined the voice of this photographer talking about my dad during the war. So, yeah, I could read one of Shorty's in his voice, but I kind of want to read this one, which is me uh, responding to some letters of my dad's that he sent from the troop ship, because Leeds is significant for him, really, I think. Dear Dad... Does this seem odd, this replying to letters sent all those years ago from a troop ship? What with me not due to be born for another ten years and you dead now this past thirty? No matter. I know you at least believed in an afterlife, so I'll hope you are receiving me. That reference to your trip on the Arama from Ceylon to England twelve years ago makes me sorry I never asked you more about that crossing as well as this one. How optimistic you sound. That familiar, glass-half-full attitude you always had. 148 men squeezed into cramped mess quarters to eat and sleep. And you're writing about how the hammock's comfortable enough for a good night's rest. It's so typical of you to think of going up on deck when rough seas made the mess unbearable. Wrapped up in your greatcoat and balaclava... Did you watch the stars until you fell asleep? I'll write more soon. This is just a short note to say, wherever you are, I am thinking of you. And the, just tell us the name, the title of the book. The title of the book is Unknown Soldier, published by People Tree Press. And it was a Poetry Book Society recommendation, which I'm, I was really pleased about. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's been quite a journey because it started off as a way of 
of responding to a lot of silences about the war and about his experiences and about who the hell is this photographer anyway and all of that. And it became a kind of eulogy to my father in a way. And um, it also became a bit of a testament to the power of friendship and this kind of really close relationship that he must have had with this fellow soldier that when when some people have read it and in fact when I was writing it I started to think I think this photographer was a bit in love with him I mean who'd blame him actually <laughs> um, and uh, my father would have been totally unaware of that like wouldn't have been on his radar at all but it, it feels a little bit like an unrequited love story as well um, and so it's about war but it's also got a lot of love in it which is um, a little bit like that contradiction I was talking about before where it's like that's how you deal with the difficult things is by what you use to nurture yourself I guess yeah and at the moment you're doing a project which is um, colonial countryside yes, and, yeah. and that's very obviously very by the sound of it very much concerned with place tell us a bit yeah. about that if you would um, it's uh, 10 writers were commissioned um, for this project that is run in partnership with the National Trust and People Tree Press are also on board as the publishers because a book's going to come out this year sometime uh, with all the work that we've done and what happened was we were allocated a particular National Trust property to go into and spend time in and respond to it in relation to the colonial connections of that place and um, I live fairly near Sudbury Hall which is near Ashbourne and um, I've been there before and I knew and I know that there is a painting in there of one of the women connected to the family with a child a black child in the painting next to her um, unnamed I think it says black page I think it says and I immediately knew that was the that was the place I wanted. So I, when when I got the commission, I said that's the property I want to be at, not just because it's nearby, but because of that painting. Um, because I wrote a poem about another painting in the National Portrait Gallery, which was one of Charles uh, II's mistresses, um, with her a supposed black servant in the voice of that child. So. I've always had this idea about wanting to write more poems like that. So here was another child without a voice. So um, that's what I did. I went there and sort of sat with the painting and just waited for the voice, really. And then what happened was I imagined that the child in my painting could call up all the children that are in all these paintings in other National Trust properties uh, that are not named. So I, one of the poems that I've written is imagining that what if that child could do that and I refer to these children in the different properties um, because we've got historians working with us and they one of those historians uh, Miranda Kaufman sent me a PowerPoint with all these examples from different houses I've subsequently been to about four of those because my plan is after this project to write more detailed voices for all of them because that's probably what I want to do next um, in, in a book that's really a response not just to paintings of that era 
but to the fact that those children this in the even in the properties when you go around and you say oh I've come to look at this painting and it's uh, with a black child in it and you get such different responses because it, sometimes it's a bit defensive and then other times it's about oh I haven't even noticed because quite often they're really obscured and um, one woman I said to her well basically these children are trafficked children aren't they really and she was like oh my god yeah I've never thought of that so that was a really a good response from a volunteer but others they kind of get very defensive and say well well uh, the, uh, our person who owns this they weren't involved in the slave trade you know they didn't make any money from it or or they say oh no no it was it, it, they weren't slaves they weren't slaves they were you know they were like servants or pages or you know so, something that so that's been a whole interesting process really of like of, of what happens to people when you ask them uh, I'm come to look specifically at that painting can I go and look at it um so it, that for that reason it feels really important to me to to give them a voice really so sunny a bit warmer in here in the calf. Are you looking forward to tonight, the launch of the Leeds Lit Fest and when you're going to be reading with people tree? I'm really looking forward to seeing some, some of the other writers because two of them, Malaika and Roger, I was on uh, a poetry kind of programme with them called Complete Works, which started in 2008. And so we were, uh, I met them for the first time there and it's always good to have an opportunity to meet up with him again. And I'm really pleased to be seeing Roger because he's just won this amazing T.S. Eliot Prize, so it would be great to be able to congratulate him in person. Um, and Khadija, who's going to be reading there, I know her from early days before I had my first book published because we were both involved in a programme called Inscribe. And nice, I'm quite excited about reading in a church, actually quite like the idea and particularly because I'll be reading about my dad who was very religious he was a very devout Catholic so um, I know it'll be, it's the wrong religion but <laughs> it'll be in a church so it'll be quite good <laughs> um, So one question I've been asking people what's over yonder for you um, is, are there places that you might want to be going to either you know, metaphorical places perhaps physical places what does the word mean to you? Okay, ooh, ooh that's a big one, isn't it? <laughs> um, places, well, I have had fairly recently a period in my life when I was out of England and travelling quite a lot. And at that time, it was fine. And I seem to have had a time um, over these last few years when I feel a little bit more home-based. And I lived in Sheffield for a long time, and that was my sort of main base. And now I'm in Derbyshire and I'm living with my partner in a house and we've got a lovely garden and, and, and she designed a, a lovely writing shed for me. So I feel a little bit like, um, in terms of place, that's where I feel very settled now, particularly in that writing space. And uh, I don't know how that connects to place, but anyway, that is, yeah. Well, I think it does in the sense of, and I certainly love the idea of being in the shed and being able to go anywhere and, uh, and wherever yonder that may be. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 
Well, it's been really fascinating to talk to you, Sonny. So thanks very much for, for giving you time. And uh, yeah, we'll probably, in a minute, head off back past the Tower Works. And if anything occurs to us as we go, okay. any more you want to say to it about it? Yeah, there's something I want to say about Tower Works. What's really exciting about sitting here in this little cafe um, opposite Tower Works and being able to see the towers is... I'm right back there in 2006 when I was working with a really great young composer um, and musician, Gemma Wilde, on something for Architecture Week at Leeds Music College. I've no idea where Gemma Wilde is in the world, but if she's listening to this, it'd be really nice to know how she's doing because, I mean, that was, what, that was more than 10 years ago and um, presumably she's gone on to do great things. And... You know, we, we worked together on this piece, which was about these very towers. A wide, a wide in the backyard of his back-to-back, my great-great-granddad searched for spaces in the smoke-filled sky to stack his dreams. To keep them and his newborn safe. In 1869, eyes dry with dust from 12 hours combing flax beneath the conicals of light in Marshall's Temple Mill, he took the long way home because he craved the comfort of a wider view. With of a wider view. A place stays in your heart, really, however much it changes. Um, it stays in your heart because you have this memory of it as it was. And that never, never goes, really. It never disappears. So that's good. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi The podcast you've just heard was made by Chapel FM, commissioned by Leeds Litfest and funded by Leeds Inspired, part of Leeds City Council. Each writer profile was recorded on location in an environment in or around the city of Leeds, chosen by the writer. Love the commas. Love the apostrophes. Love the colons and the question marks. Love the words from East Leeds FM. No, no, Lita. No, no, Lita. here on East Leeds FM with me, Charlotte Carrick. Today I have two writers from The Writing Squad, which is a development programme for young writers who are based in the north of England. 
Now, I'm also a member of the writing squad and it's been a really interesting time for us. We don't normally work from a building. We are based here, there and everywhere. So we've actually been doing a lot of online workshops. We've had a lot of creative conversations online and we've been collaborating on projects together as well. Which brings me on nicely to Staying at Home, which is an online archive the Writing Squad has produced. Squad writers have been recording their daily experience of the new world that began on the 23rd of March 2020. I thought it would be a good idea to broadcast these stories over East Leeds FM. Let's start, shall we? This is Laura Attrich. Bird. And I'm watching a robin hop across the grass, his usual path of stops. Lawn, tree, wall, lawn, tree, wall, lawn, tree. And I suppose he doesn't know, or at least doesn't give a fuck about the ongoing global crisis. And more than ever, I want to wake up to discover I'm suddenly a bird and just fly out of the open window and away singing. Oh, to be a bird. Thank you, Laura, for sharing that poem with us. Laura is also a dynamic young maker of opera and theatre with a passion for collaborative creative work. If you'd like to learn more about what Laura does, maybe you're interested in theatre, maybe you're interested in opera, maybe both, you can check out her website www.lauraattrich.com that's attrich spelled A-T-T-R-I-D-G-E and you can follow her on Twitter at Laura underscore Attrich as well. Next, we've got Jenny Danes, who is also from the Writing Squad. She is a poet from Chelmsford. In 2016, she won the New Poets Prize and went on to publish her debut pamphlet, Gaps, with Smith Doorstop in 2017. Jenny's poems have appeared in a range of magazines, including The Rialto, Magma, The North, Brittle Star and The Kindling. She's read at Ledbury Poetry Festival, Bridlington Poetry Festival, Waterstone Sheffield, the Poetry Library and the Poetry Cafe. And she's also going to read for us now, here at East Leeds FM. Hi, my name's Jenny Danes. Thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to be here reading for East Leeds FM. I thought I'd start fittingly with a couple of pieces that I've written during the lockdown. Um, The first one is called Intimate, and it's inspired by a poem called I Woke Up by Jameson Fitzpatrick. I lay with my full bladder, feeling the pulsing pain from my one bleeding ovary, and it was intimate, though not quite as intimate as the nurse squirting lubricant onto a probe, pointing to the screen's grey blur and translating it as hemorrhagic cyst. I felt her cold syllables wriggling into my ear canals, and it was intimate, Sometimes intimacy takes the form of sitting indoors with a hot water bottle, spraying my succulents and watching their soil dampen while picking intimate skin off my intimate running blisters. Just as I know other people's intimate habits include smelling their own fingers and smoothing their greasy bedsheets after an intimate night of intimate sleep. 
looking out of the window at someone across the street, looking out of their window, used to be an intimate act of theft, an infinitesimal scandal of glimpsing each other in the intimate home. But in 2020, this is how we define human intimacy, as separated by an intimate street and by intimate glass, twice. Quarantine. The skittish clouds are left to my imagination. I assume they are bothering the sun because the light in my bedroom keeps shifting, by turns golden and muted, the shadow of the window handle, bold, then dissolved. The girl in the opposite terrace is reading on her windowsill as usual. I wonder if... Under the circumstances, we should start waving at each other. I want to go outside and touch the grass. The afternoon has sown little seeds of air in my bedside glass of water. I wash my sheets more frequently than is necessary. The dates in my diary have vanished one by one like swallows from a telegraph wire. The news is death tolls, shortages, government guidelines. It is incomprehensible how blue the sky is, how the trees are ruffled in a breeze. The sun returns and I tug my already open curtains further apart, greedy. Um, The next two poems are from my pamphlet, which was largely written when I was living in Germany. Um, So I was writing quite a lot about um, cultural differences and feeling uh, displaced by by having a different language all around you. Um, This is called Kiwis. When we're apart again, I find myself eating the things he fed me. Salami, cheese, bread... Apples, kiwis, so many kiwis. He bought us a whole carton, all of them rock hard still, but we ate them anyway, peeled them with knives. His ridiculous care not to waste the flesh, almost tender with his blade, coring out the little white nub at the end. We feasted on them like peaches, cupped the bare wet flesh, the sharpness and the seeds and the juice sudden in our mouths, the joy of it. At home I sit a packet of six kiwis on my desk and think of him. They're too ripe to eat this way. I have to cut them in half and scoop them empty with a teaspoon. So much sadder, more mechanical, a process of start to finish. Is it the place, the lack of his kitchen table, the breadth and freshness from Italian daylight, of him setting a fruit down at my place, us sitting, comfortably quiet, knives scraping, careful as woodwork? Things I left in Germany. Two pillows, shoes I never wore, a bath mat, a frying pan, 
a blue pot on the bathroom shelf with an anchor printed on it. Three broken slats on the bed and super glue stains. Also coat hangers, drawing pins, washing up liquid. My boyfriend. The next hour of time. A broken office chair, vacuum bags. A thicker skin. My signature. The hob cleaner than when I first moved in. A few spare euros and a nostalgia for England. A language I'll slowly forget. The bravest part of myself. Thank you again for having me. Um, I thought I'd finish with quite an old poem. Um, I've been writing for about seven or eight years, so this is really going back. I think this is one of the first poems I wrote. Um, It's just about sitting with my gran in her garden, which is obviously something I'm missing at the moment uh, during lockdown. It's called On My Grandmother's Bench. It's in the summer, mostly, when we step through the conservatory's heavy air to perch on the patio's bench. Dusty wood, aged with lichen blooms, tired cracks, a limp in one leg. She is always on my left, having shuffled to the far side, cautious but straight-backed, over the tilting paving slab that she warns me to avoid. I look sideways at her hands, folded in her lap. Sometimes I take one, gentle with its slack flesh and resting vines, greasy from the copious rainbow sheen of sun cream, and she'll smile and pat me clumsily. Here we sit, clasping gently, matching gazes onto rose bushes and bird feeders, and she nods while I let my worries creep into the warm air. Thank you, Jenny, for those lovely poems. That's all we've got time for on Love the Words, but it will not be the last time that you hear from the writing squad. Hopefully this will be a regular broadcast, so please do stay tuned for more stories about staying at home. Till then, stay safe and take care. Love the control. Love the command. Love the spacebar and the hard return. Love the words from East Leeds FM. Welcome to Chapel FM. My name's Andrea Hardiker, and I'm here today to tell you about something a little bit special that's happening right here on our doorstep. 
Musicians all over the world have been moving performances online in a bid to beat restrictions put in place by social distancing. Now singers and songwriters in the market town of Otley have joined the trend. Otley Music Festival was originally scheduled to take place at various venues around the town this June. However, with most bars and restaurants still closed due to restrictions, musicians opted for a virtual gig instead. Otley Music Festival Online will kick off on June the 12th. It will feature musicians and bands from in and around the area eager to showcase their work and raise money for charity. Festival organiser Paul Briscoe told us how and why it would work. So Paul, first off, why are you doing this festival? About eight years ago, I started running an open mic first at the Horse and Farrier uh, and then at Ottersley. And, um, but I just found that music, more than anything else I know, brings people together. And, and I, I was amazed at the number of people who turned up. I had no idea what to expect when I did the open mic, and, but people just came. And, and there, there were lots of them and more and more of them. And they all interacted with each other. Um, you know, I think I think generally musicians are a good bunch anyway uh, and you know, tend to be open minded people and very happy to work together. And there's a real sense of community and I really enjoy listening to them. And I thought it would because of what they do for the community as a, as a whole, it would be nice to give them a, a, a bigger stage to perform on for once. So that's what lies behind it. And how will it work now that you've moved it online? Well, it's um, it's just simply a case of showcasing people's people's talent by allowing them to to use the the medium of video to to showcase you know some of their music. It'll only be a small small sample of their music. So, and I'm li- really leaving it to each each one of them to to do it. As, as they want you know for instance i'm i'm doing my own video and i've i've uh, i'm in the mo- in the process of recording some of some of the introductions on the shevin so it it would be it would be interesting to see actually how how each individual and and band will will will, will operate but obviously it's more complicated in this case because they're all in different in different tones and having to work together but some of them have, have have obviously really tackled that problem and, and got to know how to process the videos and, and, and open different windows so they can all perform together. And who's, who's the festival aimed at? Who's your audience? Well, well, I think anyone who'll listen, really. I think it's... It, it, because As with the, the real uh, festival, I'd intended to try and make it a community thing. I'm primarily aiming it at, at the uh, the community in this area, but you know it would be lovely if we could get people watching from abroad as well and see what what Otley and surrounding area has to offer. So I, I'm I have no sort of I see no boundary there. And are you excited for the beginning of it? Yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> a bit, bit a bit daunted as well, but uh, no, I, I'm. I am excited about it because, you know, I think I know the people involved and I know they're all great musicians. I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what they produce and, and I'm sure that the people who watch will, will be very impressed. 
And are you hopeful that you're able to raise quite a bit of money from this event? I think it all depends on just how how far we get get it spread far and wide. You know, the the uh, how how much publicity we get, and if we can, you know, if we can rely on all the people involved and family and friends to spread the word around, I w- I would like to think we could, uh, uh, you know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not expecting thousands and thousands of pounds, but uh, you know, I'm prepared to be <laughs> to be surprised. The festival will open with a song from singer-songwriter John Budworth. John has written a number of songs about Otley during lockdown, and was available for a quick chat about his work. So, John, I believe that you're going to be opening Otley Online Music Festival. How do you feel about that? Uh, I think it's an absolutely fantastic opportunity. Um, I'm really chuffed to be able to open it. And you've you've written a couple of very popular songs, haven't you, during lockdown about Otley. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, the first one I wrote was um, a song called Shadow of the Shevin, which um, I've wanted to write a song about Otley for, for a long time. And I think a lot of musicians who live in Otley have written songs about Otley. Um, and I've, I've just, I was racking my brains to think about how I could tackle it. And then just one day I was walking on the Shevin, looking down on Otley, and, I, and the words Shadow of the Shevin popped into my mind. Uh-huh. And I thought that'd be a great title for the song. And it, and it just kind of followed on from there, really. So that, that was Shadow of the Shevin. And the other song I wrote in early April was a song called All Is Quiet. Um, after I'd been walking around Otley one evening um, and just in in the the early stages of lockdown and just noticing how, how incredibly quiet and uh, peaceful everything seemed. And it just, and, and, the, and again, a title popped into my head, All Is Quiet, and I went home, grabbed my guitar and, and wrote it in about five minutes. And I guess, I mean, the restrictions imposed during lockdown, they've been difficult for, for a lot of people, haven't they? And um... Absolutely, yeah. You know, particularly, I guess, for performing musicians who aren't able yeah. to go out and, and make a living. What what yeah. impact do you think the festival might have for the community and the musicians involved? I think it'll have a really positive impact because I think, A, it'll put um, Otley on the map even, even more than it already is. Um, I know that some of the proceeds are going to help the, mu- the, you know, the headlining acts who were booked to play, so I think that's a really good thing in helping to keep their income stream going. Yeah, so I think any, anything that puts music on the map in Otley has got to be uh, a really good thing. The events will raise funds for two local charities, Otley Church's Local to Global campaign and the Woolpack Music and Arts Studio. It's hoped that a small amount will also go towards professional performing musicians whose income has been affected by COVID-19. You can catch the event at otleymusicfestival.wordpress.com. A GoFundMe link will also be available for those willing and able to donate. Hello and welcome to Wordy Birds. Wordy Birds, our regular spot for stories, poetry, writers, poets, scribblers and wordy birds from Yorkshire and beyond give us what they've got. 
My name's Peter Spafford. I have the title of Director of Words at East Leeds FM, Chapel FM Arts Centre. I've been doing that for quite a while now and I really enjoy the job because I come into contact with so many people who write and you'd be surprised how many people do write. Write stories, poetry, memoirs, all kinds of stuff. People come out of the woodwork on occasions like this and I've really enjoyed receiving writing from all kinds of people all over Yorkshire. And uh, and we're also really enjoying putting it out on the radio. So if you do write, please get in contact with us. If you do want to share a piece of writing that you have, get in contact with us. First of all, a poem by uh, Julia Deakin. Julia is a poet, lives out near Holmfirth. She's had a lot to do with us in the past. Very much appreciate her contributions. Julia Deakin. From Leeds City Centre, let's take the number one bus out to Headingley. This is about large areas of Headingley, but it could be about any university suburb where the housing estates are now largely bought to let and sublet rather than being lived in for decades by the same family. You just need to know that Barry Bucknell and Percy Thrower were in the late 1950s and early 60s Household names, Barry Bucknell was a television handyman and Percy Thrower was a television gardener. Zoopla Oh, rained on, bought to let, headingly semis, sensor-lit and intruder-proofed, cash-down pawns in a gig economy, surely you were adored once too. Somebody years ago fixed your trellis to train that sawn-off clematis through. Somebody painted your peeling soffits, clipped your privet, oiled your gate, seeded the lawn now tarmacked over, and levelled your bakelite one, two, eight. Where are your long-term owners now, your Barry Bucknells and Percy Throwers, keen as they worked for a word or two, there at the phone box or post office queue? A quip, a light, a cigarette even. Some funny ideas, but plenty in common. To Vickers draftsmen and Waddington's typists, printers, teachers and district nurses, weren't you the dreamed of ideal home? Nine to five, keeping up with the Joneses. Look how they named you as one of their own. Wilma Cott, Avalon, Sylvan Tone. Thank you to Julia Deakin for that poem. And um, now we have a song. Well, it's a song by Nikki Bray. And Nikki runs uh, a regular open mic for songwriters called Tower of Song, which is a really splendid uh, Leeds institution. Now I think they actually go to Newcastle and other cities as well. It's been so successful. What they do is they pick a theme and then they write during the month and then these songwriters perform to each other in uh, in the Fox and Newt down in the centre of Leeds. And uh, and it's all in the greatest of, of spirits. Very generous hearted, a wonderful thing to do. So here is a song by Nicky Bray called Grating Cards. <laughs> 
shop A happy birthday I know you despise butterflies But there was just no other way To pay my regards by The medium of a greetings card So abandon hope As you open up the envelope Flowers, bows and unicorns Are certain to embitter And it will be at least to get That you'll be picking glitter Off your carpet What if I were to send a card to Auntie Brenda With a picture of a football or a dinosaur Just what would she think if it were blue instead of pink Would her ovaries fall out and roll up on the floor Listen cousin, I'm just buzzing about your baby A welcome new addition to the family Great to see, but you've always said that the sight of pink makes you see red. And I can't send a card that surely will offend. Sequin dresses or princesses are your nemesis, and anything with fairy wings is just taking the piss. What if I were to send a card to Auntie Brenda with a picture of a football or a dinosaur? What would she think if it were blue instead of pink? Would her ovaries fall out and roll up on the floor? I tried so hard to find you a car. I tried so hard to find you a car. Hey, big brother. How I love ya, but I feel that isn't best expressed by cards that compliment your beer-drinking prowess. And when it comes to Father's Day, I have to look the other way when I'm headed down that dreaded aisle in M&S. A wall of golf clubs and mustaches, burgers, steaks and noxious gases, jokes about your hair receding, request to borrow money or for help with the weeding, DIY and watching dance on a telly, jokes about your beer belly and how you never do the dishes, barbecues and But by far out of all the cards I struggle with the one that said Thank you, Dad, for banging mom What if I was to send a card to Auntie Brenda With a picture of a football or a dinosaur Just why would she think if it were blue instead of pink would her ovaries fall out and roll up on the floor? I 
With a picture of a robot or Spider-Man Love the cases Love the clauses Love the adverbs and the antecedents Love the words from ELFM. When I'm dying, I'm dying, oh yeah. 